Kevin Carr of 7M Pictures said, It's an over-the-top spectacle of action violence, and I loved it. Ali Gray of the Shiznit.co.uk said, Ultimately, a passable new diehard movie is more than any one of us ever really expected, and that in itself is worth a jolly old yippee kaye. And Jay Antani of Cinema Writer called it Fred Flintstone in the Land of the Jetsons. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of live free or die hard. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters! Welcome to Rune Childhoods. I am one half of the the hosting team. I guess if we were in the Gun Starship, um, I suppose I would be Grig. I guess I'd be. You think you would be Grig? I wouldn't. I would. I. I mean, you would be Grig. I don't your, know. Your technical prowess, perhaps, would qualify I, you. Well, I'd be Alex. Okay. I'd be the neophyte. All right, Dan, if we're talking about technical prowess, that is the, the a perfect way for me to get into my technical apologies for my snafu with the last episode, Please Get Me For Citizens on Patrol. I, I'm not going to go bore people with the details, but I made some mistakes. I ended up having to repost the episode. If you were one of the people who tried listening to it originally and only heard Dan's voice, I'm sorry. Uh, or if you tried, you're welcome. If you tried, uh, well, French Fry Phil uh, told me that he had a good time tr- uh, trying to imagine what the other side of the conversation was. So French Fry Phil can see the cl- the sun on a cloud covered <laughs> and honestly if anybody can uh, probably figure out what the other side of one of our conversations would be i'd say it's probably french fry phil more than even our brother scott <laughs> uh yeah scott Dep- who has known us scott who has known us uh for decades uh rarely knows what you and I are talking about, even though he's <laughs> lived in the same house with us for a very long time. He, he um, knows more than he lets on. I think you're very right. But uh, we've got some reboot, remake, prequel, sequel news to talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Dan, have you seen the trailer for the new It movie? No, I have yeah, I just saw that it that it was on and there just has not been a good time for me to watch it. Have you seen uh it? I have. I have seen um it part part one. Chapter one, I guess. Uh chapter one. I've seen the, I, the I, new I, Yeah. Yes. I thought saying. it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty dang good. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, I've so for me and it's interesting because I feel like this is one of those movies that people have referred to as a remake, which it's not. It is not. Correct. It's just a new adaptation of a book. Um, yes. So, yeah. So anyway, I, 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 
so in my mind, you know, it's like Tim Curry as Pennywise as Tim Curry as Pennywise was what made the uh, the original uh, early 90s. I guess it was an ABC miniseries. Yeah. TV movie yeah. miniseries. Yeah. They, they did like a different Stephen King one each year. So. Right. Um, so for for it, I remember Tim Curry's performance was really what made that movie creepy. I mean, all all due respect to the the actors in that movie. Sure. Um, yeah. Who, who no great. one talks about anything else about that movie except Tim Curry. Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, you've got uh, John Ritter in that cast. You've got. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He was on the he was on the Americans. He was on the Waltons back in the day. Um, uh, the only th- when you said the Americans. I was like Frank Langella. No, <laughs> <laughs> I would never draw a blank a a a blank on Frank. It's Langella's been a long name. day. We're recording pretty late at night. It's been a long week. Um, so anyway, back. Back to this. Back to the point. Yeah, no, I thought uh, they. I thought they really. They did a great job updating it. Yeah, and the teaser for it, chapter two, looks awesome. Like it is chilling, and like the it starts off with most of a scene really, and then it goes into flashes of what, some of the other things that you'll see in it. And I mean. It's got Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, and the casting all really makes sense given yes. the the characters that they're playing as being the older versions of some of the main characters from the first It movie. Um, and it's, it does have the cast from the original because it does also it kind of flips back and forth, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah, that no, that uh, that is pretty cool. I and I'm trying to to figure out. I I feel like there were like plans for a Stephen King cinematic universe that the the Derryverse, the the, uh, De- the New Hampshire verse, <laughs> the Castle Rockiverse. No, um, Castle Rockiverse. Um, yeah, whatever, whatever it would be, King's Realm. I don't know. Um, oh boy, but. I, I don't know if that fell through because the adaptation of Dark Tower was, was yeah pretty, pretty pretty bad. Well, once they uh, reboot Maximum Overdrive, I think that's when it's going to really kick into gear. <laughs> Pun intended. I hope it certainly was not until halfway through the word gear. Nice. <laughs> well I, done. Yeah. yeah. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, is a cliffhanger reboot that is rumored. I read something about this. It will be allegedly directed by Anna Lily Amanpour, who directed A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, I don't know what to say other than, okay, why not? I I, I think, and I I think, you know, cliffhangers is, on our our roster if it's if if it's not it should be but uh-huh. i you know i mean i'll just my my hot take on that is a, a remake of cliffhanger could potentially be really good yeah it's like why not i i'm a fan of the original i i you know of course remember seeing it in the theater 
Have the stuff. And uh, of course, Sylvester Sloan is in John Lithgow. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I even remember that much about that movie. It was John Lithgow in the in in the British accent period of his career, right. which was like yeah. Ricochet and Cliffhanger. It was like 1993, <laughs> basically. Was like John Lithgow was like just doing oh, British accents. Try accents. this on. Yep. Just gonna try this on for a minute. Yep. And see what happens. Yep. Um. So anyway, that's those are the the news bits I've got. Um. We are recording this on Friday, May 10th in the evening. So that's where we are. Anything can happen between now and when we release on Tuesday. Who knows? News Who is knows? breaking all the time in the world of reboots, remakes, sequels, prequels, spinoffs, etc. Yes. Reimaginations, as we've Just discussed. Just re-ups, re-downs. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, did did I, you have anything in mind? Oh, you know, I just thought I would tell the story because I... I'd sent you a photo earlier today oh, yeah. and, and posted it on our, our Instagram at Rune Childhood's Pod of of the construction crane across the street from the high school where I teach lifting a porto potty. Now, <laughs> to put things in context, what are the for, odds? What are <laughs> I, seriously? And it's like, just what are the odds in general? But what are the yeah, odds yeah. that what are the odds that a this would be happening not just across the street from my high school, but across the street from the football field. And Dan is a teacher at the high school, not yeah. a student. Right. Correct. No, I. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so, yeah, if you listen to the last episode of the show or are just familiar with Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol, uh, one of the major pranks that the gang pulls on Proctor is he goes into a porta potty, they get a crane to lift him onto a football field. They commandeer a crane. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, and so, and it's funny cause they're, they're like, you know, the construction, this, this phase of the construction is closing down. So like they're actually taking down the crane this weekend. And so I guess they're, I, I, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, maybe there was a kind of, you know, bumbling idiot cop sidekick. <laughs> In Reading there, an Archie double digest. Like I didn't hear, actually, I didn't see this happen. It happened uh, during lunch, but it was, it was just, it was also strange that I would find out. I mean, my students know they can pretty much say anything and I'm, I'm not going to be put off or shocked. So yeah. when, when one of them told me they were like, Oh, there was a port. The crane had a porta potty up in there. I said, "What are you kidding me?" And, and you know, <laughs> and I'll do credit to my my students. Many of them get references. They get like references to old movies and and songs. Like I made a, I made this subtle safety dance reference in class yesterday. I had a couple of kids today be like, "I got your safety dance joke." Um, but, but do you think that they're familiar no, with Police Academy no. Forces? To, to to answer your question that does not need answering, no. <laughs> so the best so so the only way I could really explain my excitement uh, that this had happened, my wonder and enthusiasm was I was like my brothers and I grew up watching this silly movie and there's a part in it where they pick up a porta potty with a crane with a guy inside of it. And not lying. 
<laughs> but yeah, you I, know how, and I how think much that detail that I go may, into. <laughs> that clip may be on YouTube. Oh, it, not positive. It, it must be. It, yeah. it it's one of the key sequences of that film. Oh yeah, it's so good. Um, what I love most about it is knowing not only is it possible to lift a porta potty on a crane, but it happens. I mean, over football fields. Think about it this way: Police Academy Four citizens on patrol just got a little bit more plausible. <laughs> like book them tack because i'll be honest john i don't know about you but like i never when i i i don't know if i ever from the time i saw it at, at age nine uh till the present saw that and felt yeah why not <laughs> there was well, always this thing like that's that's funny and that's a funny what if well just along the lines of Things in movies that seem implausible but actually really aren't. <laughs> we got to talk about Live Free or Die Hard, baby. Oh my goodness. So, for those unfamiliar with the franchise of the Die saga. Hard movies, uh, which, and, and I should mention, this is our second installment in our May the Fourth Be With You month of fourth installments of. <laughs> Uh, movie franchises during the month of May in 2019. Uh, Our month based on something celebrating Star Wars that will have nothing to do with Star Wars, which nope. we will get to eventually. Yes, we will. Uh, but Live Free or Die Hard is the fourth installment. There's Die Hard, Die Hard 2. And die then, Harder. Uh, die Harder. And then uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance and Live Free or Die Hard. And then there is A Good Day to Die Hard. Oh. Um <laughs> Did you forget about that one? No matter how hard I tried, no. Um. I watched it um, not too long ago for, the, I think, the second time. And it's hard. That one's hard to watch. Like um, physically, vi like my eyes had a hard time watching it. So let me put it in perspective by sharing this. And I know we're here to talk about Live Free or Die Hard. but Yeah, we are. But I, just, to, just to briefly talk about and and john and i are devotees of the series we are mm -hmm. huge fans as is my wife alicia in fact right um a promotional bumper sticker for live free or die hard that john sent me back in 2007 ended up being part of what got us together because we lived in the same apartment building she kept seeing this car parked around with this yippee kaye mother and it cuts off um bumper sticker and she was like huh i wonder <laughs> if i wonder if the guy who owns that or the person who owns that car is the guy who lives in this and long story and here we, here we and are here, and, and here you are um trying to get your child to go to sleep <laughs> for many hours uh, yes yes so, another another ongoing saga so anyway so i saw so we saw live free or, or sorry a good day to, so a good day to die hard was released, I want to say, Valentine's Day weekend. That's weird. Okay. In, in 2013. And I remember this because I I was having my gallbladder removed ah. on, on the next, on the, like that Friday. It was like Friday the 15th and like Valentine's Day was, was a, I guess, a Thursday or 
and I don't know, I think it had been out for a week already, maybe. I, it's not important. So we saw that, and we, we were like, oh, yeah, that's what we'll do the night before surgery. And this, <laughs> is, this is like my first major surgery, and it's not really that major, but... Um, so we saw the movie and between the movie on Thursday and the surgery on Friday, it was a tough, it was a tough call to say, which I, I enjoyed more. I would say once, <laughs> I would say once the anesthesia wore off on, on Friday, after the surgery, I, I was a bit, but otherwise I was like, you know what? I think I enjoyed the surgery more than I liked the Die Hard movie. I don't know. Well, Luckily, we're not here to talk about Good Day to Die Hard. No. Um, Good Day to Die Hard is what I was afraid Live Free to Die Hard would live be. Live Free or Die Hard. Live Free or Die so, Hard. So uh, to kind of mention something that we had talked about in the last episode, uh, I was living in Philadelphia. Dan uh, came by because we were editing a uh, a short film together and we had taken a break and decided to watch a new trailer that was released. And this is 2006, summer of... Uh, 2007. It came out so, in 2007. It came out 2007. So I guess we would have been watching this. I think this we were watching this in like fall 2006. Yeah. So this new trailer had come out and, you know, it, internet isn't like it is now where things are super high quality. So we had this like not great quality connection to watch the trailer for the new Die Hard movie, which we were very excited about because a new Die Hard movie after like 10 years, that's pretty awesome. So, and, and this, this trailer blew our minds. Yes. It's, it's so good. Like it holds up to this day. And I think that it helps that this movie does not rely on digital effects. It is mostly all practical effects and done really, really well. Yes. And it just feels like a good modern action movie. And the trailer reflects that. And it's like, you've got cars flipping around, almost hitting people, but then two other cars come and like break <laughs> the fall. You have another car, a cop car flying into a helicopter. You have John McClane riding a, an F-35. Like it's <laughs> insane. And uh, we are here for it very yeah. much so. And and that was, I think, John, that's really what sold it was that it, it also, everything was as absurd and over the top as it was, it felt plausible because it looked real and everything in that trailer, it just... You you could see what was happening, and it it wasn't a whole lot yeah. of like quick cuts, and yeah, it was like it a wasn't good- like a Transformers movie or even a Mar- like a Marvel movie where it's like yeah, but this is fan this is make believe. <laughs> I mean, the thought that, that's of me impersonating a, a Marvel movie, and it was excellent. The thought of a fifty-two-year-old guy riding on the back of a you know fighter jet is absolutely insane but we have seen this person do some crazy stuff before like progressively more and more and more crazy um and in the previous die hard movie um die hard with a vengeance you know it's like yeah you don't see him riding in the back of a jet but like 
you know, you see him doing some crazy physical stuff, especially with a hangover. <laughs> yeah, when he I'm and sorry. Samuel you know, L. Jackson are like writing down those cables to, onto that boat. And yeah. I, you know, it, it's funny as I'm thinking though of Die Hard with a Vengeance compared with uh, Die Hard 2 and, and even the original, I'm like, eh, I, most of what they're, most of what he's doing in that is like, you know, yeah, I can buy it. Now with a hangover that it's yeah. challenging. And, and what's so in, in the first two Die Hard movies, those are truly wrong place at the wrong time situations where he has no option other than to interject and try to save the day. Uh, Die Hard of the Vengeance, he is brought into the situation. Um, he is brought in there. And then Live for Your Die Hard, we're back to just like dumb luck. He got into the situation because of dumb luck. Um, he's... he's yeah, no, no, he he goes, like, he's a New York cop, but he happens to be at, Dan, your uh, alma mater, Rutgers University. Uh, are you rah, rah, are you <laughs> rah, rah, hoorah, hoorah, Rutgers, rah, I won't go. Okay, so, uh, no, you don't need to. So then um, that's where his daughter Lucy goes to school. So yeah. he is there to kind of, eh, not so much spy on her, but she's dodging his calls and stuff. So he goes to, like, try to find her and talk to her and... She's clearly pissed off. She's not using the last name McLean, which is a uh, McLean Gennaro family tradition. <laughs> and uh, um, it's because that because he is at Rutgers that he is tasked with going to Camden to yes. pick up this hacker because um, the DOD gets hacked. Like they see evidence of a hack, I believe. Is it the DOD or the NSA? Oh, I mean, it what, does it really a, a matter? A government agency. Yeah. So they get hacked and they're just like, well, we have to bring in all of the top hackers to question them and see what's going on. And this one guy, Matt Farrell, uh, who we see like writing code at the beginning and whatever, um, he is living in Camden. John McClane is to go pick him up. Uh, the, the NYPD has low jacked his car, so they know that he's there. And uh, the the whole low jacking thing comes back up later. Mm-hmm. So picks up this guy Matt Farrell, uh, and that is at the same time that these assassins uh, who he wrote this code for are trying to kill him. Be- him being Matt Farrell. So uh, you have a great shootout scene. Uh, great little like chase scene trying to get away from these guys. Uh, John McClane does some like just clever maneuvering. He does the cool thing where he throws the fire, the, the extinguisher, fire extinguisher. Yeah, yeah I was in the say, hall and shoots that. Like that's awesome. It's really, uh, I it's really one of my favorite like tropes of these films is just the you know his creativity. It's it's what sets his him ingenuity. Apart. As a yeah. character, yeah, it, the, he sees the fire extinguisher. He's it's like he's got this mind for violence. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's very much aware of what's around him and he's how resourceful. he can use it. He's yeah. very resourceful. Yeah. So, um, he they manage to get away from these guys who blow up the apartment. Uh, they're shooting things up like crazy, and they 
and John McClane, they don't realize that they're dealing with John McClane. No. I mean, that's no John McClane we're talking uh, about. Except yeah. for Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes, they know exactly who they're dealing with in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, so... I'm trying to I'm trying to make like do like a long story short situation, but it's kind of hard to do with this one. They get away from them after some like really amazing uh, sequences. There's one uh, assassin who's like a parkour guy, which is very <laughs> 2007 of them. Yes. Um, and it's like even watching it today, I don't hate it. I'm not bothered by it. No, it's yeah. good action. It's it's good fun. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and also, it's like. You can tell that it's not all done digitally. Yeah. It's just like. Scale. We're going to sound like a couple of cranky old guys with this, but it's true. So. Right. And before I go further, I should mention that this entire movie is inspired by an article in Wired magazine from 1997 called A Farewell to Arms, in which it's. Uh, uh, described how the Department of Defense, the NSA, the CIA, maybe the FBI, I can't remember exactly, they're kind of developing these uh, these task groups to uh, figure out what to do in, in the event of a full-scale cyber attack, which is uh, what ends up happening in Live Free or Die Hard. Now, um, what happens in Live Free or Die Hard is something called a fire sale, which is coined by Live Free or Die Hard. And if you look it up now, you'll see a lot of articles about fire sale cyber attacks, which uh, are designed to uh, completely attack the infrastructures of, well, I mean, transportation, uh, finance, uh, utilities. Um, there, there are cyber attacks that kind of shut those all down to influence a kind of leaderless environment. It's really just hitting the reset button on everything and starting from scratch. Uh, that's the idea of what happens uh, in Live Free Die Hard. What's up, Dan? Do, I'm sorry. I just want to clarify. Did, are you saying that the the screenwriters of Live Free or Die Hard actually coined that phrase they certainly did fire sale yeah i just i guess i always i had assumed that it was based on this theoretical on this theory if that, you look it up every single mention of fire sale cyber attack references live free or die hard wow all yeah. right so um i've got a quote from uh eugene kaspersky who's uh who has a um, security firm uh, Kaspersky Labs uh, does a lot of security software and uh, he says and I quote when I was watching the movie I had to stop 20 minutes in it was a shock for me I was keeping silent on cyber ter terrorism outside of government and thanks to Hollywood they gave out all these ideas they opened Pandora's box for Stuxnet which I'll get to in a second so I said, what the fuck is going on? What the hell are you talking about? After 20 minutes, I had to get a glass of whiskey and a cigarette. So Stuxnet is a, is a cyber attack worm that targeted Iran's nuclear facilities, causing real-world damage to its nuclear centrifuges uh, by infecting their command and control software. And it's unclear as to if that idea was kind of given to them by Live Free or Die Hard. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> so it's 
because of all the things that's happening while uh, John McClane is bringing Matt Farrell from Camden to DC, that they realize that this is going on. So they, the hackers shut down the, um, the transportation, they take over all of transportation. They make all the traffic lights green, causing all of these, uh, accidents. Um, I, I forget what was the other thing that there were a couple of things that happened before, uh, Matt Farrell realized, Oh my God, this is a fire sale. And when he says it, the guy from the FBI, um, whose name I'm blanking on Cliff right Curtis now is Cliff the, Curtis. Well, the actor's Cliff Curtis. Yeah. yeah. Miguel Bowman is the yeah. the character's name. So Bowman overhears him saying it and he's just like, what did you just say? Don't say that. That's not what this is. And it, it's, and then that's when McLean is asking, uh, Matt Farrell, who's played by Justin Long. We didn't even mention that. Yeah. Uh, awesomely, brilliantly played by Justin Long. He's so great. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of this just like, nervous sweaty hacker guy uh who's just a complete spaz and uh kind of a perfect counterpart to john mcclain i think well as uh there was a re- review of this film that that referred to it as fred flintstone in the jetsons world and it's <laughs> well, matt farrell being this hacker this guy who understands technology more than the average person pair him up with McLean, who's like the fact that his car is lojacked by the NYPD is he's like, what? Wait, huh? As the villain in this movie, Thomas Gabriel says he is a Timex watch in a digital world. Yeah. Um, And this is our opportunity to talk about Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people know from Justified. He, Dan, have you seen Santa Clara? What's that? Deadwood and Deadwood. Sorry, and Deadwood, right? Yeah, so Justified Deadwood, which at first I thought you said Ed Wood, and I was like, Ed Wood, really? Ed Wood, you know, he might have been in, he might have been in there somewhere. Um, I don't think so. Rock star with Mark Wahlberg. Um, Yeah, no, Go actually, Go I think was really the first movie that brought him to my attention. He was the the ecstasy dealer. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of reliably good. I mean, he was in that, like, the Hitman movie based on the video game, but I don't think that the movie's failure was his fault. Um, Gone in 60 seconds. He's... He's just great. Uh, he was on yeah. the show The Grinder as himself, yes. like an exaggerated version of himself. He's so good. That's um, a great show. Sa- if, yeah, it, a lot of people miss that show, John. And It's so good. Yeah. And uh, Santa Clarita Diet, which just got uh, canceled, it's on Netflix. It's it's so good because the casting is so good. Timothy Oliphant included, and that's when I was like, "Oh my god!" Like in the Grinder, he was funny, but I still kind of always thought of him as Thomas Gabriel from The Free or Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of always been in my head. But like Santa Clarita Diet was like, "Oh no, he is funny. Like he is legit funny." And uh, he was on an episode of Conan O'Brien's podcast. Uh, Conan O'Brien needs a friend, and the two of them are like good friends. And mm-hmm. um hearing timothy oliphant just kind of riff is like he's so funny so anyway he's the villain in this movie which i thought i found interesting because it's the first like american diehard villain yeah um and the which first I'm, oh you're no, saying go ahead no, no, no you're no, go ahead so it, it's he's also kind of the first villain 
that's not I don't want to say militaristic, but like Hans Gruber is like the most gentlemanly one because he's more of a, you know, uh, high stakes thief than anything else. But then you've got the um, the Colonel Stort in Die Hard 2 played by William Sadler. And then death from Bill and Ted's bogus journey from Bill and Ted and the upcoming Bill and Ted's face the music. Right. Yeah. And in three, you've got Simon Gruber, who is a Jeremy like, Irons. He's a militant. Uh, he like have his own like he ran like militia or like did like black yeah. ops for the KGB or something. Or so this is the first. This is kind of the most, and all due respect to the other to the fictional characters, but this is really the by far the most cerebral villain. Sure. It's somebody who was brought on by the U.S. government uh, for, I think, the Department of Defense, yeah. who uh, proved to them on his first day that their uh, their system was compromised by hacking into their system with a laptop, as we as is described by uh, Kevin Smith's character Freddie Kaloudis, <laughs> aka the Warlock, the who's Warlock. like this master hacker who lives in his mom's basement. <laughs> he has his little command center. It's uh. I think he's awesome in this movie. It, it's a great cameo. It. I wouldn't even. Is it really a cameo? Well, he, I mean, he's, it's not a cameo because he's list. He's in. He's he's credited. He's got like I don't know, like fifth billing. Is also just an important role. Like he plays a big part in kind of saving the day. Yeah, but and and it's it's fun to see Kevin Smith. He's able to be Kevin Smith playing this role. So he's yeah. Yeah, well, he gets to be in a Die Hard movie. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'll also mention um, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Lucy McLean, who we first see in the first Die Hard movie mm-hmm. uh, as a as a little kiddo, and uh, she is the one who's at, is a Rutgers student. Dan, you don't need to go into the whole chant again, and um, she ends up getting. Uh, uh, taken by Thomas Gabriel as a a hostage, and um, it's and she's awesome because she does a lot of the like John McClaney moves. Like they both end up shooting a bad guy in the foot with their own gun while it's in their holster. Like yeah, it's kind of amazing. And she's great. I I, I love her and all and everything I've seen her in. Uh, the season three of Fargo, she was awesome in that. I don't oh, know if yeah. you watch Fargo. Uh, no. That's another one that we need to talk about at some point because that one got rebooted as a television show very successfully. Yeah. A conversation for another time. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, also, I need to see more of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've also got Maggie Q playing um, uh, Thomas Gabriel's uh, female counterpart, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, yeah. Complete total badass. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. funny seeing her uh now she's on the show Designated Survivor which season 3 uh debuts on Netflix in June. But Does it really? Yes. I, that that I don't like to say I ever have like guilty pleasure shows, but that's as close as I can get to a guilty pleasure show. The, I the know first, it's not very good. The but first season so, was The first season was was pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean Let's just also mention that Designated Survivor and Live for Your Die Hard, two, uh, two times when we see the Capitol building blow up 
except in designated survivor, it actually blows up. And in live for your die hard, it's just part of Gabriel's. I actually used this in class recently. <laughs> oh, did a, you really? Well, I had a, I have groups, I have these group projects going on in this one class and uh, this one group kind of want, want to make like a propaganda video and it's like they're a video to like promote their, this movement. And they, they're not, that's not what they're making they're, They don't want to make something where the Capitol explodes, but actually it wasn't the, the one with the Capitol. It was the one with all of the different presidents, presidents yeah. which is like so good. So good. And yeah. yeah, so I showed that to this group of kids and um, because as they described their video to me, I was like, OK, I just I want you to see this. And yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> live for, it's such a wonderful educational tool. But yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this this movie is excessively clever. Yeah. And a lot of the things that it accomplishes and it does really well. We um, haven't we have yet to to mention the director, Len, I believe he pronounced it Wisman. Is that true? I've always thought it was Wiseman. So Wiseman. Regardless, yeah. you know who he is. He is um, responsible for the Underworld films, or at least the first one. He really, like, he really he, does, he does the right thing with this movie. Well, also talking about reboots, he did the Total Recall reboot. Oh, that's, oh, he did. He did. And, mm -hmm. I mean, spoiler alert for our own show later on yeah but he right now he's attached to the the next film in the Die Hard franchise McLean McLean yeah um that's yeah absolutely based on Die Hard you're one the the graphic novel series oh is it actually based on the graphic novel series I've ordered you a copy oh my god this is wonderful <laughs> this is so good um I do my I, I'm research. excited. I'm excited that he is at the helm um, because I feel like as, if he does something in the spirit of live free or die hard, then uh, we're in for a treat. Because um, so, who was the one that did uh, Good Day to Die Hard? Who I, directed that one? Was I, it like one of the was it the guy who did like the Bourne movies? Oh, no, I don't think so. Tony Gilroy. Oh, no, um, no, no. Paul, you're thinking Paul Paul Greengrass. Oh yeah. Oh no. This was John Moore. Um, John Moore, who did Max Payne, um, Behind Enemy Lines, Flight of the Phoenix, The Omen. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's all very like stylized and very fast paced, and it's like all very close up. Like I don't know. It's kind of weird. Where Live Free or Die Hard, like you really kind of sit in this movie um yeah. and one thing i should also mention is i looked at i was very surprised i looked at the rotten tomato score it's like 82 percent is and, it like uh, the? i mean it's probably the best reviewed diehard sequel uh well first of all it's the highest grossing diehard movie um not ingested for inflation though Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, technically speaking, it is uh, the highest grossing, but uh, just for inflation, it's actually Die Hard 2, Die Hard of the Vengeance, Die Hard, Live for Your Die Hard, and then very distantly, A Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah. And, but no, the reviews are 
really positive for this movie. Like people really enjoyed it and rightfully so, but like oddly it's not talked about all that much. And I think that it's, it is that my childhood is ruined mentality for a lot of the fan base that uh, is just like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's so much better when he's just in one one building and, you know, defying all the yeah. odds rather than like he's on a plane, he's on a jet. My childhood is ruined. I don't know. Oh. A, a lot of people write it off. But to me, it was like I that's what I was worried about going in. And I guess that kind of brings us to the whole like, all right, well, what do you do when you've got the fourth part in a series, especially when there's a 12 year gap after the third part? Yeah. So it. Yeah, I mean, I remember being apprehensive about it, even after watching the trailer like 200 times. Yeah, I still remember like, okay, you know, a, a great trailer is a great trailer, but it doesn't necessarily mean a great movie. So, you know, I was still kind of feeling like, uh, all right, they, this could easily go wrong. And it, it, it didn't. And then it didn't. And then it, it didn't just not go wrong. It went right. Yeah. It's extremely enjoyable. Um, and I'll say like, I rewatched it again the other day and I've seen this movie a bunch of times and I, it's over two hours long. I had things to do that day, but like I could not stop watching it. It was like five minutes from the end. And I was like, well, I have to see yeah. the end of this. Yeah. So, and it, it, I feel that's something else I was thinking about with it. It's so well paced uh-huh. where it really is. But even in the in the lulls between I, what I do, what what I've grown to dislike a lot about action movies is that between action sequences is just kind of like filler. Well, between the action sequences here, it's Bruce Willis and Justin Long talking about like what is happening, what we just saw, uh, what we're, what we need to have happen next. And it's really just like, like really explaining like what is going on. And it really makes cyber terrorism easy to understand and it does as, and as we see not like actually how it happens but <laughs> what what they did and this i'll just just explain a little bit more about matt farrell's role in this whole thing and how he's involved is the code that he writes at the beginning it's kind of like he gets paid fifty thousand dollars uh from this company who allegedly is trying to improve their security so they um, they farm out to all these different hackers. Like, if you can write this code, you have fifty thousand bucks. Thank you so much for your service. We really appreciate it. And they have all these different hackers, like helping them build their massive cyber attack, um, which is really interesting. And it it comes up later on when he. Uh, encounters a keypad and he's like oh my god this is my algorithm Mm -hmm. so he knows how to get through that door or whatever it is um to the main like server farm uh at this place called woodlawn which is uh the place where all of the financial information gets backed up to based on a design made by thomas gabriel before they kicked him out of the DOD or whatever department he was in. Um, so I, it's just like, I, 
there are so many movies like this where like, I couldn't tell you what I just saw, even <laughs> if I really enjoyed it. But like this one, it's like, you know, if I really had to sit down and like walk somebody through step by step what happens in this movie with this massive cyber attack, I really could. Well, the whole explanation of a fire sale when he says everything must go yeah. and they in that scene with uh, um, with Farrell, Bowman, McLean, he really like the, the explanation, the written the in the screenplay is is yeah it just really makes a complicated thing simple and puts it in layman's terms really well well and this is this is also the first major screenplay written by um mark bomback and mark bomback uh after this did um unstoppable he did do the total recall reboot but also it talking about reboots Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War of the Planet of the Apes. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it just like makes a lot of sense because those like, Planet of the Apes movies are awesome. It's like the king of reboots. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, I don't um, know, I guess. <laughs> he's, he's, he's trying. Yeah, I did, <laughs> I did not see the, uh, the Total Recall re-adaptation. I did. It's, I mean, that's a tough one to... I don't know if if top is the right word because how could you possibly replace or like try to better the original? Um, I think that it was really just like, you know, now that we're actually in what was then considered the future, we can probably give a better interpretation of this story. I mean, it, it's a Philip K. Dick story, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's a a readaptation, but I mean, we don't, we're not, we're not, talking about total recall anyway but (laughs) i i we haven't mentioned it before but i i'm a big fan of total recall so i can i can get going on that one yeah um i mean it's like if you happen to come across it i think it's it's fine to watch but you're not i don't remember anything about it now live for your die hard i clearly remember like even if i hadn't just watched it i could tell you about the, the whole cyber attack yeah, it's, oh, it's I, I haven't so watched clear. it in a while. I did not have yeah. an opportunity to go back and watch it, but I <laughs> remember, I'm like, oh, live for your diehard. Like, I could pretty much tell you what happens in, you know, each sequence and, you mm-hmm. know, the Creedence song that's playing as they pull into Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely is a little heavy on the um, old guard versus new guard uh, type of stuff where it's like, well, the music yeah, 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 discussion you're out of touch, but the music yeah. discussion and the, yeah, that that's one, that's one part that's a little ridiculous with uh, you know, like Justin Laws, like who doesn't know who Credence is. It, it, it's like, it, you don't have to have them not know it. You can just say like, Oh, I've never heard this song before. Yeah, he's rude about it, especially considering the fact that like this guy just saved his life in a major way. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I think it's pretty much established that, that he, people skills aren't, uh, something, yeah. something he, he offers in his profession. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another thing that I didn't love about this movie is, uh, the sexism, uh, the misogyny towards Maggie Q's character, oh, um, yeah. uh, that I really could have done without, um, very outdated. Well, you know, it's like, I do feel like if this movie were to be made today, there 
might be a little less of that might be hard to say nah, i mean I it's still so. it's it's still a very you know and i don't know how much of that is like bruce willis's contributions to <laughs> any parts of the script it's i don't know it's hard to say i feel like that isn't as in line with his character like in other diehard movies he doesn't really talk like that no he might say something about the in Die Hard with a Vengeance about the female. Um, oh, guess. the yeah, the Simon's accomplice. Yeah, yeah I can't remember um, if there was anything that he said in that one. But anyway, I I I do feel like that would be altered at least a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, um, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I brought it brought up earlier and then we kind of tangented away, but in as far as reviving a series, adding a fourth part that not people, it's not like the, the public, there was not public outcry for a revival of the diehard no. series. It was kind of, no. I mean, I remember hearing they were making a new, new diehard and just feeling really skeptical, but so I think the the Farrell character throwing I mean throwing in just the whole idea of cyber terrorism mm-hmm. and saying like okay like we've done we've done this we've done we've done this kind of terrorism we've done that kind of we've done that what's what's really keeping like what's what do we want to address with this and just cyber t- the cyber terrorism and also it, it even acknowledges the critique of Bruce Willis being too old to to keep doing this so right. you just call it out and you have it like he's this old guy but he doesn't you know he knows what he knows <laughs> right and i mean not having been involved in the in the studios at that time. Uh, but, you know, this is inspired by an article from 10 years prior. This mm-hmm. script was not written to be a diehard movie originally. Right. Um, so at some point there must have been a conversation that was like, well, what if this was John McClane? You know, how could we make that work? And right. I think that it totally does and it's kind of surprising how it does Um, but i think i i I like they changed a few things up like it it's the first diehard movie to take place over the course of a few days rather than within one it's the first to really i mean diehard with a vengeance goes kind of all over new york but that's pretty much it here we were going to you know all over the east coast pretty much yeah. yeah Camden, New Jersey, the murder capital of the United States. Um, you know, Rutgers, which by the way, I just I have to I, every time it's come up, I've been wanting to say it, but that is not at all the Rutgers campus. No, it's uh USC. Uh yeah. <laughs> um also just the geography in this movie, uh it's yeah, that part of the East Coast isn't all that huge, but uh, and, and I can, you know, the drive from Camden to DC. Yeah, I guess overnight with no traffic, you could, you could do that pretty easily. Yeah. Three um, hours. And yeah, if you Two have a, a, if you have a helicopter 
Uh, you could certainly get to Baltimore, but like some of the other things where it's like, oh, they got there pretty quickly and they don't actually explain where Woodlawn is. Um, West Virginia. Is, is it? I'm almost positive it's uh, West Virginia. Okay. Well, yeah. fair enough. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of like, eh, whatever. It's a diehard movie. You know, you yeah. kind of have to do that a few times. I mean, just some of the sequences in this are just mind-blowing. Where it's just like, oh my God, can you well even crafted. imagine? Really well-crafted. Um, and also just like, some of the ways in which like Thomas Gabriel uh, kind of gets back at John McClane and and uses their technologies to go against him are really clever. He's, you know, thinks on his feet really good. Uh, his main hacker guy who is played by, um, oh, I just had it in front of me a second ago. Uh, let's see, Trey, Jonathan Sadowski. Uh, mm. He was great at his thing i mean especially when they air the 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 clip of the president's saying like all this stuff then he's just like someone was just like man that was creepy and he's like oh i'm trying to find more nixon yeah you know? yeah <laughs> it's like his delivery and that was pretty good um i don't know it's just uh it's a solid movie i i don't know i i mean i what would you do with this? And you can look at it. I'm asking you like as a franchise or just as this movie as a standalone, like what would your thoughts be about a life beyond live free or die hard? Um, I, I, I would say as far as like things picking up from, Live free or die hard. So, are it, it, is this kind of disregarding a good day to die hard, or, I yeah, kind of. I mean, so a good day to die hard. He's with his son, who is a a hired killer. Isn't he a CIA? I think he is CIA, but like he's like an assassin for the CIA. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. They, they've they end up in chernobyl it's bananas um oh right yeah geez i forgot about that <laughs> um yeah so i guess where i would take it from live for your die hard is maybe and i do I, I do have my i've had an idea for this was actually my my idea for the fifth installment uh-huh because I remember, I think I had this idea not long after Live Free or Die Hard came out. And what's interesting is it did involve his son being in the CIA. So, huh. uh, uh, but I remember, yeah, I remember having uh, having the idea and just thinking like, because I feel like the common theme is like John McClane saves the country or a lot of people at least every few years. And he's, where does he end up? It's, you know, what does he get from it? Nothing. And yeah, I just imagined that he would kind of eventually just like get sick of it. And it's like either he's either he he's pissed, frustrated, drunk, whatever, because he doesn't get the recognition he deserves or it's because 
he never he felt he was never you know never got what he felt he was owed by the government and whenever people say oh yeah hey aren't you that it's kind of like he's he ended up rather than being like a national hero not that that's like what he ever wanted but just time after time after time and he ends up being more of like uh oh you're that guy from the tower thing right or yeah but so I'm imagining just John McClane just kind of saying, screw it. And like heading off to like, you know, maybe he want, he's going to go to it to Scotland and reconnect with his roots. And <laughs> I, I, I did research the name to make sure it was Scottish before. Uh-huh. I, uh, yeah. So um, I imagine him just kind of like in a pub in rural Scotland where he is just kind of like, I want to go somewhere where no one knows me. No one gives a shit. And he's just like a bare knuckle boxer in like the basement yeah. of a bar. That was very alliterative. Serious. A bare knuckle. Yeah. No, he, he transports himself <laughs> to the late 19th century. You know, he, so I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining him in this bar and he gets approached and he gets he he ends up getting recruited by a, a terrorist network that wants to attack the United States and maybe and i was thinking i was like it could even be like what if all right nakatomi plaza now like 30 whatever years years later is you know i don't know some like it has some other significance or it's, you know, it's a, it's a Trump tower now or something. I don't know. And they want to, uh, Oh, you mean where, uh, Bruce Willis lives? Yeah. <laughs> um, I get, yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'm going to scuttle away from that one. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm just, I'm, I don't have it all flushed, fleshed out, but that, so this terrorist network is like, all right, we like, all right, this guy, we've seen this guy. We know who he is. We know what he can do. And that's how they kind of, that that's how they re- recruit him. And he's kind of like, like whatever, yippee Kaye. So. Well, I'm, I'm just going to poke one hole in that. You're not done. Oh no. Oh, uh, well the one hole I'll poke is that in live free or die hard when he's in the like alley with um with Justin Long and they're trying to connect to that cell phone. Uh Justin Long's character says something about the country and and John McClain, where he's oh no, what he says is just like, you know, I can't believe it, but like I when I first heard about the idea of a fire cell, I thought that it would be cool if someone could pull it off. And John McClain's just like you thought it'd be cool. Like this is a country. Like he's getting all very pro American. Well, yeah, he says something like, you know, if just someone just like crashed the system, he goes, "It's not a system; it's a country," or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's something like yeah. that. Yeah, but you know what? Um, he felt that way at that point. So, <laughs> but what if? But what if now? I mean, you know, whenever this this would be made, you know, it's however many years later, and it's like. Phew, Maybe it's just, you know, enough is enough. And so, but anyway, I'm not done. So, <laughs> so, um, this terrorist network recruits John McClane. He's like, all right, whatever, I'm game. Now, what he doesn't know is that the, um, this 
this terrorist network is also being tracked by this um, Interpol hotshot, um, last name of Gruber. Oh, who, of course. Yes. So he is a you know con- a relative somehow of of the he's connected to the Gruber family. He has seek he has sought to. Um, you know, kind of like bring some respect back to the name. And he's like, you know what is like, we got a bunch of criminals in the family, like, and he, so he's kind of monitoring all this. He sees what's, and he sees McLean joining in. So now he's kind of like, that's, that's lighting a fire under him, you know, to not just be like, all right, yeah, we're just going to surveil these guys and whatever. Now, what he do, what this young agent Gruber does not know is that McLean is actually working undercover and that he's being handled by his CIA agent son, who's they've they've concocted, you know, they've they've determined that after years and years of trying to get someone inside this network, he was the guy like this was the the guy to do it. So interesting. So you end up having Gruber. So, so, I mean, you end up having like Gruber and, and McLean, Jack McLean really having to, to work together. And this, this could be a, oh, and, and it would be called old habits die hard. Um, (laughs) I love it. But I kind of always imagined it as being, you know, maybe it's the one where McLean, you know, does die hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. So that, that's kind of always been, that's kind of always been my idea for a, I guess a final die hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. I, I mean, what, uh, I don't, what are your thoughts? What would you, so what would you do? Uh, this one ends with Lucy McLean and Matt Farrell, Having a little pseudo flirtation, like they don't flirt with each other, but they kind of make eyes around each other. And John McClane is kind of not really, but kind of he flirts. And I, I like the idea of, I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Justin Long. Let's follow them. Like maybe they've caught the bug from this experience (laughs) to like get into some form of law enforcement maybe it is fbi and in order for them to uh, i guess catch this maybe some huge terrorist or something like that they use john mcclain as bait because he's the one that trouble seems to find Mm. so uh unbeknownst to him maybe they like are kind of hanging around him under the guise of like trying to reunite the family because that's always been a big thing with these movies is like yeah. the fan, like his family is so torn apart because he's so focused on his work. Like he just is a, he's a bad dad and a bad partner. So it's like, maybe it's like they're under the guise of trying to get close to him. They're actually just using him as bait in order. And then of course there's, you know, it works. So then mm. you just have, um, and perhaps it is the, the Gruber family that they're trying to bait. Who knows? Right now, 
Would you, now, initially it was at least rumored, if not planned, that Samuel L. Jackson would return as Zeus uh-huh. in Live Free or Die Hard, which ended up not happening. Would you, um, where do you, do you see any characters like, like that? Like, do you, like an Al Powell, uh, or, um, a, who does he, Samantha Coleman, <laughs> Well, <laughs> Samantha Coleman is the most irritating journalist in cinematic history. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you'd be doing the fans a great service by including Al Powell, Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe he is retired and just trying to like live his life. And like he plays cards with Al Powell and Zeus like they're his buddies. I mean, they're all living in New York, let's say, you know, it's just like, what about Florida? I feel like Florida would be, cause it just seems like it's a, is there going to be a fan boat chase in it? <laughs> That's an assignment. Miami beach, please Academy five reference right there. Yeah. Um, yes. No, but I, I feel like there's just a lot of, <laughs> I feel like it seems like Florida just seems to be kind of, a, a maybe more corruption happens more easily there. I just I feel like you end yeah. up reading a lot about a lot of like you know uh, prostitution rings and uh, you know well what if it's like in New York but just like in the Catskills somewhere <laughs> the borscht belt <laughs> diehard <laughs> the- it's, uh, it's by the, the way, three, it's just the three of them doing like stand up every. It's kind of Mister Saturday Night, <laughs> if anyone remembers that Billy Crystal classic. No, they don't. Nobody does. Um, no one remembers it that its, movie. It really has its moments. But as Payne as you were just talking about, um, by the way, a couple minutes ago, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, it made me think. In Die Hard with a Vengeance, a big uh, device used is also a device used in Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol, and that is the game Simon Says. Indeed. And, <laughs> John, I'm about to make another Police Academy connection. <gasps> okay. So in Die Hard with a Vengeance, it's in New York, and McLean is working with the other you know, NYPD cops, one of whom is played by Colleen Camp, AKA Mrs. Tackleberry. Mrs. Tackleberry, yeah. Yes. Oh my God, I did not. Because you see her in With a Vengeance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's got a pretty big part in that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Uh, my friend Ray used to work. It might have been her personal. Ray, Ray's a a fan of the the show. He's a listener. Oh, hey, Ray. Hey, Ray. Um, So, yeah, Ray, um, if I remember correctly, you worked uh, with or for Colleen Camp. Uh, back in your in your LA days, so um, I guess if she ever told you any police academy stories? We'd love to hear them. Yeah, and, I mean, and if you have, if you do know any, then why are you holding out? Is what I want to know. No. Uh, it's ruinedchildhoodspot at gmail dot com. If you have any Colleen Camp stories out there, uh, <laughs> uh, so also when uh, yeah, my wife, my wife and I were um, when well when she was pregnant with our our kid before we. Uh, had picked a name on our list of names was uh, Carmine Lorenzo, which is like the police chief. <laughs> it's just like you just see his name like on the glass, like the frosted glass door. It says Carmine Lorenzo. Is that Dennis like, Franz a, in Die Hard It is Hard Dennis Franz. And it's just like, man, what a 
what a great name. No, it's not dire. It's not Dennis Franz. It's um the other I, guy. Yeah, no, I'm Carmine, gonna. Because the traffic cop is his brother. Yeah, I'm. I'm just looking it up right now. But it's um, Carmine. Oh come on. Oh, I guess it's not in the first like twenty characters in this movie. In Die Hard Two, Carmine. Uh, no, it's Die Hard with a Vengeance. No, Carmine Lorenzo's Die Hard Two. Is it really? Yep. Man, I had it so in my head that it was in the, um, in the police station when they bring him in at the beginning of the movie. Now, Carmine Lorenzo is the Den- I'm I'm almost positive is the Dennis Franz character in. Um, who's like the airport airport police chief? And oh yeah, Carmine Lorenzo, Dennis Franz. Yeah. yeah. All right, you're right. But uh, anyway, I just love that name. It's just a great name. <laughs> it's a great. <laughs> it, agreed. Uh, so Dan, I gotta ask. I know that this one is a little bit more recent. It was uh, only 12 years ago. But do you remember your your experience seeing uh, Live for Your Die Hard for the first Wait. time? Way too recent. No, um, I am pretty sure that I saw that up at the Palisades Mall with, uh, I'm pretty sure, Sean and Westy. Oh, very cool. Sean and Westy. (laughs) Five claps. That would make sense to nobody listening to this podcast except one person, and that's Scott. Hello, Scott. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I so I'm pretty sure I saw it with them. Um, uh, trying to remember if anyone else was along for that ride, but uh, yeah, no. And it, and that theater, that theater is great. That was like every every little every theater had like a you know huge screen. Sound was great. So um, you know, I just remember really enjoying it and being <laughs> really. I'm really happy that the yeah. that that the part four in in the Die Hard series was was really good. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, do, do you remember uh, your, your, uh, your I experience? Do. I do. I mean, this luckily was not terribly long ago, um, but it was an advanced screening of the movie. And I had just recently, like a month prior, maybe two months prior, moved to Los Angeles. And, uh, I brought, um, a friend of mine, uh, Josh to, uh, to the theater. It was in Rancho Cucamonga, California, which is, uh, outside of LA, maybe an hour outside of LA. Uh, (laughs) but it was my opportunity to see the movie, uh, as soon as possible. And I remember we were sitting on the, like towards the right side. It was like not the center cluster of seats but the the right cluster of seats and uh i loved every second of it it sure wow. was great this is I, I think i feel like this is the first i feel like the shoes on the other foot here you have this, this very vivid Dan, recollection this was only 12 years ago it's 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 a little different <laughs> yeah i i don't know my my head stopped retaining things at, around then so yeah well, this was also a much <laughs> at that point. It was like you're. It's like 
brain, you're either going to hang on to like remembering where you sat for every movie you saw from 1986 to 1995, or you can remember new stuff. And I was like, I'm going to hang on to that old stuff. I think I'm going to need yeah. it someday. <laughs> I'm have a podcast one day and someone's like, what's a podcast? Yeah. So uh, I don't know, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to need to know this stuff for it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah new I, new stuff, I think not that- important. I think that because the experience of seeing a new Die Hard movie, I mean, certainly my first Die Hard movie in the theater when it first is coming out. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd have to imagine I didn't see Die Hard with a Vengeance in the theater. No, actually, neither did I. Mm-hmm. The The only Die Hard movie I had seen in the theater prior to Live for Your Die Hard was Die Hard 2, Die Harder, the first yeah. R-rated movie I saw in the theater. Is that true? Yeah, at the <laughs> at the Linden cinemas back in the day, like the Linden, New Jersey movie theater, where like the seats were facing one way and the screen was like, you had to turn your head at a good 45 degree angle. Um, (laughs) But I, yeah, no, me and Kenny Lawson. Okay. Hanging out. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Going, going to check out Die Hard 2. Yeah. Die Harder. Uh, So yeah, if, if any of you Remember anything about uh, your experiences seeing any of the Die Hard movies, especially Live for Your Die Hard, uh, or want to share your thoughts about the continuation of the Die Hard franchise? Um, RuinChildhoodsPod at gmail.com. You could write to us if you want to record a voice memo and send that to us. We can play it on the show. Um, yeah, Dan, any thoughts? Well, yeah, so I... Um I was just kind of curious to, uh, you, you watched the movie more recently than I did. I forget. Is, is Thomas Gabriel arrested at the end or, or killed? Oh, so he's killed. yeah, he's killed because, and this yeah. is a spoiler alert, but, uh, what he, so he first holds his gun up to, uh, John McClane's head, it, trying to get, uh, Matt Farrell oh. to finish type, like doing his decryption or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then what he does is he takes the gun, holds it up to John McClane's chest, but he's standing behind John McClane. So then he's like on your tombstone, it should say, always oh, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he's like, no, it should say yippee kaye, mother. And then he pulls the trigger and it goes <laughs> through him and into Thomas Gabriel's heart. Now, now I remember. And, and, and that, by the way, it, De- depending on whether you watched the unrated version on DVD or the the theatrical version was rated PG-13 and didn't have any F-bombs, but which I think, I feel like they should have just allowed it for that. I mean, if well, Beetlejuice can say it. Also, it's like, I'm pretty sure that in PG-13, you get like one time to say it as long as it's not like in a sexual way, yeah. then um, I don't know if those are more recent rules or what the deal is, but um, yeah, I mean, that would have been the time to do it. Um, I mean, otherwise, like, I really have no problem with the PG-13 rating. I'm like, yeah. I just want to hear my, I just want to hear the line. I mean, I didn't think it was a problem that that wasn't there. No, you know, I, no, a lot of people seem to be bothered by it, but I didn't really care. I'm nitpicking. Anyway, yeah, so no, I was just, you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, how else do you kind of reincorporate the plot of four in something ongoing? I'm like, it would be really kind of interesting if like, you know, maybe if Thomas Gabriel was, you know, was in like prison, like locked away in like this maximum security prison, he engineers like a breakout. I don't know. 
He doesn't get away. Well, yeah, no, that's not. He doesn't happening. go to jail. So yeah, so I have no, I have no further thoughts other than I didn't get a chance to watch Live Free or Die Hard recently to to catch up before doing this, but like I kind of want to go do that. Man, it's fun. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah, and Alicia it's... would kill me if I watched it without her, though. So, oh yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, do you want to tell us uh, what our next episode in the May the Fourth Be With You series is going to be? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so, what one of the I'd say the most beloved part fours of of all time, Rocky, Rocky Four, Rocky yeah. the Fourth, uh, Stallone, Weathers, Rocky IV. Lundgren. Rocky IV. Rocky needs an IV. What? Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Rocky Four and just uh, a heads up. We will also be talking about Creed and Creed well, Two, especially Creed Two, which yeah. I have yet to see. Which means I get to I get an excuse to watch it. Yeah. And if anyone else is looking for an excuse to watch it, I mean, it's just like if you liked Creed, you'll like I, you'll like Creed too. But Creed uh, is great. Creed yeah. is really great. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and Rocky Four is a lot of fun. So and I watched it recently, so I'm I'm ready. Oh, cool. Ready. Yeah, I need to I, I need to rewatch it. I'm gonna try to squeeze that in this weekend. Man, what a what a fun one to revisit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, John. Um, Until next time. Good journey. Good journey to you. My fellow Americans. It is time to strike fear into the hearts of citizenry. Ask not what your country can do to avert this crisis. The answer is nothing whatsoever. Our military strength is in this case useless. Read my lips. The great confident roar of the American progress and growth has come to an end. All the vital technology that this nation holds dear, all communications, transportation, the internet, connectivity, electrical power, critical utilities, their fate now rests in our hands. We will not tire. We will not falter, and we will not fail. I don't know how they're getting in. Thank you. And a happy Independence Day to everyone. That was creepy. I tried to find more Nixon.